And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Football Show. Welcome. To the Athletic Football Show. Today's Friday, February 18th. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me today is my good friend Nate Tyson. Nate, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well. Well rested. Came down from the Super Bowl. I've come down from that high of the halftime show. Got a I got a massage this morning, which I just told you about. It was, I got one on I, Saturday. It was a big oh, move. Big move. I'm so glad I booked it because the only time they had was 8 a.m. And I'm like, do I want to do that? So glad I did. So fired up. So I'm feeling good, feeling loose, ready for some mailbag questions, ready to rock. So, guys, thank you very, very much for sending in all of these questions. It's kind of a great way, in my mind, to wrap up the season a little bit. We got so many that we're going to break this up into two parts. So the first okay. part, you guys will be listening to it on Friday. The second part, we're going to release it on Monday because we're off next week. So this is a way to kind of give you guys something, but allow me and Marissa, who's getting married, and me, who's going to sit on the couch, to do <laughs> next to nothing next week, which is going to be great. So really appreciate you guys sending these along. Uh, Marissa, just cue the first one up here. Let's get going. Robert, love your show. Uh, I'm a lifelong Bengals fan. Uh, I got to say, honestly, you did the deepest analysis of the team all season at the national level, so thank you for that. I have to say also, not everyone's doing the good work, and I'm officially over the bad Bengals discourse, especially after the Super Bowl. And this is someone who's already muted all the Chase versus Sewell memes forever. Here's the thing that's bothering me. Like, it's this notion that the Bengals' window is somehow limited or closing or even closed because Burroughs in the AFC against Mahomes and Herbert and Allen and Lamar and who knows, maybe Rodgers and Russ by, you know, next month. But I just wonder, like, when did analysis become an NFL futures market versus, like, results to date? Of that group, only Mahomes – has been to a Super Bowl, and Burrow just went through KC to get to his. So, like, when does the burden of proof 
shift from Burrow having to prove this wasn't a fluke to all these other guys who have, are, are, you know, undoubtedly, uh, you know, talented and uh, going to have bright futures, but still having to prove outside of Mahomes that they can get into the final two minutes of the Super Bowl with a lead. So, again, I just was curious your thoughts on that. To me, Burrow seems like a winning player. Dudes can send me all the all 22 Herbert Bomb videos on my timeline, and I'm like, that sounds awesome. I like my guy, Joe, and let's get back to it. Anyway, am I crazy being happy where I'm at? Thanks, man. You know when you see you're one of your favorite bands and they just open with a banger? They don't. There's no easing into it whatsoever. Like you go see Nine Inch Nails and it's head like a hole right away. I yeah. mean, they're wasting absolutely no time. That's what that voicemail was with this mailbag episode. <laughs> he just came out strong. I love right. it. So there's been a lot of narrative talk coming out of the Super Bowl over the last 48 hours. We're going to get it in, I guess, 72 hours. It's been a while yeah. since the game. My time is a flat circle. There's a lot that we want to dig into. So let's talk about the, some of this stuff. First of all, I appreciate him being nice to us at the top of the voicemail. At the bottom, that all 22 Herbert thing seems like a direct shot at me. So. Yeah, no, <laughs> I know. I was like, hmm. There's a, this is a rich text. As well. <laughs> this voicemail overall is a rich text. Very dense. A lot to dig into here. I don't think the questions about the Bengals getting to back to this place have anything to do with Joe Burrow's place among the quarterback hierarchy, how worthy Joe Burrow is. The central question here, are you crazy being happy where you're at? Absolutely not. Joe Burrow is firmly going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league for a very long time. We can dig into where that sits and what that conversation has been like, which I'm sure we will. I think this is more about how hard it is to get there. You need so many breaks. Just think about Josh Allen this year. Think about how freaking good that Bills team is. Think about the way he played in that game at Arrowhead in the divisional round. You can't play a better football game than Josh Allen played against the Chiefs a few weeks ago. The the Bills were at home. They didn't even play in the AFC Championship game. This is not about these guys being better than Joe Burrow or these guys being better foundational pieces for your roster moving forward than Joe Burrow or the Bengals lucking or fluking into this at all. This is about how freaking hard it is to get there. Mahomes has only been to the Super Bowl twice, mm-hmm. even though they've been to the AFC Championship game. They've hosted the AFC Championship game the last four years. So don't take this as a slight. This isn't some knock on Joe Burrow or the Bengals' future or where they're going. To me, this worry about him getting back there is much more a conversation and a commentary on how hard it is to get to the Super Bowl than it is anything regarding Joe Burrow at all. And listing off all those other quarterbacks, and again, we can rank them however, it just goes to show you, there's a lot of good ones out there in that same conference. And like you say, it's that's how hard it is to make it to the dance. And like the, the top dance, not even just the playoffs, but the Super Bowl. And I think that's what it is. You have the hardest question answered as a Bengals fan or as a Bengals organization. We have a quarterback. That's that's question one of the quarterbacks. Do you do you have a quarterback that can carry a team? Yes. Oh, wow. That's a pretty good start. So you're we like Joe, too. Uh, You say I like Joe. We like Joe as well. Like he is a quarterback that you can not only just win with. That's the the first. That's the first. Because can we win with him? Yes, because of him. Can everything else going to shit? Can he put the team on his back for a, a drive, a two or two or a whole half or a whole game? Sometimes he has proven that he can. 
it, where the playoffs run, was it great? No, but he did at times stepped up and goes, oh yeah, that's right. You're a star. You can do that stuff and carry the team when you need to. So you have the hardest question answered. And I, I totally agree with you, Robert. It's saying it's more, you're trying to give yourselves more room for error, more paths to victory, however you want to put it. It's the yeah, but. It's when you're talking about a team, it's yeah, but the whole line's got to hold up. Yeah, but the defense has got to stop them. Yeah, but the coach doesn't have to screw it up. When you have a quarterback, that's like that's such a nice answer to have because those other question marks become kind of smaller for a team. And that's what Joe Burrow has. And I think this this run that they had, it was stuff breaking their way. It was. They played well. The defense played well. They got positions to win because of Joe Burrow and that defense. But, you know, stuff had to break their way. And that's really what more I think the the narrative, I guess, is, is just to show it's like, man, but those breaks aren't always going your way. Your team exactly. might get better. And they might not go your way because that's it's so freaking hard. It is so impossibly hard to win in this league and to sustain winning. But the best thing that you can have for that is a really good quarterback. And that's what the Bengals have. So they're always going to have that answer in their back pocket. Aaron Rodgers is one of the five greatest <laughs> quarterbacks that's ever lived. He's played in one Super Bowl. Yep. It's really, really, really hard. Dan Marino is the name that keeps getting thrown out there as it relates to Joe Burrow in his second season. I would say the best quarterback probably from his generation, him and John Elway, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, every time you talk to somebody who watched football in the Marino's 80s, like, imagine Dan level. Marino now. One time in his second season, he goes to the Super Bowl. He never goes back. Yep. It's just hard to get there. That's why it hurts. That's yep. why it hurts to get so close. Not because Joe Burrow is somehow lesser than some of these other guys. I think that he's right in that conversation. It's just the breaks you need to get there. Health yes. luck. The ball yes. bouncing your way in the playoffs. Yes. So many different aspects need to be in your favor to win a Super Bowl. And that's why being a drive away, a minute away, a game away, that's why it hurts so bad because there are just no guarantees, which takes us to our next question. Miles Profilio said, I've been a Chargers fan my whole life. Now that it's the offseason and Brady is supposedly retired, it got me thinking. Is Philip Rivers the players whose legacy is most negatively affected by the Brady Patriots dominance of the AFC? People know how to get me. I was just going to say, when you set these questions over, the second one was a Philip Rivers question. I was like, you People know how to get me. So the reason I wanted to do this is because I think it dovetails perfectly with the yeah. Joe Burrow question that we just asked. It does. You can make an argument that Rivers is. I remember having a conversation with Philip Rivers at the facility that the Chargers have down there in Costa Mesa. We were walking from the facility to the practice field, and I was doing a story about his playoff history and about the chance they had a couple of years ago when they went to the playoffs and ultimately lost. Remember that game they played against the Chiefs on that Thursday yeah. night? I love that Chargers team. And we were talking about his playoff history and all the near misses that they'd had. And I want to say it was after they lost to the Patriots in that AFC Championship game in 2007 when he had the 20 ACL. And LaDainian Tomlinson right. was hurt, and Antonio Gates was hurt. And he was telling me, he was talking to Norv Turner in, in the locker room after that game. And they were saying, we're going to be in so many of these. You know, Philip Rivers was in his second year as a starter. LT was the best player in the league, yeah. seemingly at that point. The Gates-Rivers partnership was great. Sean Merriman was a young player. Yeah. They had all these guys. They never got back there. They never did. And that's how hard it is. You, you, it's so tempting in the moment to say that to yourself and mm -hmm. to tell yourself that story about who you're going to be. And that just isn't a guarantee. That's not how this works at all. No. And I do think that Rivers, the way that we talk about his career, you can make an argument that it's most affected by the Brady Patriots dominance because he's the only one of that group that never won a Super Bowl. 
that never got to a Super Bowl. You know, every single one of those guys that were drafted, let's say between 2004 and you know, 2012, let's say like the Russell Wilson draft is like the next era of guys. Yeah. They've all at this point been to a Super Bowl. Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, Matt Ryan, Matthew Stafford, Joe Flacco, all of those guys went. Rivers is the only one who never went. If he gets one, he's mm-hmm. absolutely a Hall of Famer. And we're having the Matthew Stafford Hall of Fame conversation, which I don't want to have right now. No, please don't. But I do think that, that Philip Rivers, you can make an argument as the one that's most affected. The other one, I mean, Peyton Manning is a top five quarterback ever, yeah. probably. You could probably make an argument that if Roethlisberger gets one more, maybe we talk about him a little bit differently. But I do think in regard to this question, Rivers is probably the answer. And I, I, I first went. I guess. And then my, I was just trying to think of another answer and mine was, yeah, Tom went into Steelers and Roethlisberger and just being, it's more about, we, we respect them and everyone's it's the Steelers. You know, you always kind of just go, Oh, they're always going to have a good team. And that's kind of just when you're <laughs> cookie cutter thought about them, but you would appreciate them more and kind of their sustained dominance that they had. I shouldn't say dominance, but sustained goodness that they, they had, had for one years in like years. 2015, right? Yeah. Like there was one of was, those years where they broke through. Yep. And if I, I think if the, the Patriots weren't in ever, like they didn't exist in the NFL, it'd be more like, man, that Steelers team, they're the class. They're the yeah. ones that everyone's going to copy from. You're going to steal all their assistance from and, trying to find the stealer way, you know, anything of that sort. But that's what it kind of, that's the alternate multiverse history of this is that Brady then goes, doesn't go with the Patriots and they don't do that sustained success. But that's such a great point with Rivers. And that's really what it is. Everyone, Rivers is a, has that kind of uh, narrative about him of being a regular season stat patter. Like that's kind of what it seems to me, like uh, as a guy in like being around football, Everyone knows Rivers is a baller. <laughs> he was just a sick player. And I uh, getting more into the media world, this is what's fun sometimes to be able to kind of straddle the line on this is, oh, you guys don't feel the same way? Like, I, I, it actually shocked me. I, I, I thought more people thought he had him in a higher light. And the, most of the jokes you hear about him was like, here's another two-minute drill with Philip Rivers. And it's like, yeah, but do you see those other sick plays? Do you see that corner throw he just had? That playoff I didn't know. game he had in Pittsburgh in the like in yeah. the snow, like the games like that. Or I mean, you talk yeah. to coaches like the way that Wade Phillips talks about Philip Rivers is the same way that he talks about Peyton Manning in, yeah, in terms yeah. of what you'd have to do and how he figured you, you out. Make a mistake, he exactly puts a knife in you. It, oh, you oh, it's the best. <laughs> it brings us back. That's how slim the fucking margins are, man. Yes, it it is inches between being a punchline and being immortal in this stuff. And yep. that's why as excited as we'd want to be about Joe Burrow, as excited as we are about Joe Burrow, there is no guarantees. There are zero guarantees. Philip Rivers led the NFL in yards per attempt in 2008, 2009, and 2010, when Peyton Manning and Tom Brady were theoretically at the height of where they were going to be. <laughs> Obviously, Brady missed the 08 season, but you, yep. know, you know what I'm saying here? And never got there. Never even played in one. And Roethlisberger, you think about that Steelers team, they never had one in the three B's era. Like that is to me one of the defining teams since I started covering, watching, mm-hmm. monitoring the NFL this closely that never broke through. Like that version of the Steelers with Ben and Brown and, and Le'Veon Bell, they never played in a Super Bowl, let alone won a Super Bowl. So again, yeah. just these little things, these little sliding doors moments of, I know you have these NFL teams that are the seven seconds or less sons. That yep. you think of them the in this Dan way. Fouts chargers. Like, yes. That's the other one. Yeah. 
And maybe there's a world where, you know, the Bengals are really fun on offense over the next few years. And we think about the Chase Burrow connection and where T Higgins fits into that. And they have all these highlights and moments and it just never happens. There's no, no guarantee that it's going to happen. And I think Phil Rivers is a very good reminder of that. Absolutely. And I mean, you're just, if you don't have sustained success, you can be a fun offense on middling teams and you can end up how people talk about Culpepper and Moss. Like really, yep. it's more like, oh it's man, that was, a lot of, that was a lot of fun. And that's how people talk about it. Oh, that was a lot of fun. It's like, yeah, it was a lot of fun, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> if Nate Poole doesn't catch that touchdown and gets pushed out of bounds, we'll be talking <laughs> about them different too. But yeah, no, 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 uh, no hurt feelings or anything. You know, it doesn't sustain, doesn't, you know, those negative feelings don't stick with you over your entire life. No, none of that. None of that. Sorry, buddy. It's going to be okay. All right, let's get to our next one here. Hey guys, uh, Sam from Boston here, big fan of the show. Uh, what team do you feel like is able to make a Cincinnati type leap from last in their division to a uh, serious playoff threat, be it through draft capital or uh, cap space? Thanks guys. Appreciate it. This is a very popular question. Thorsten from oh, Germany emailed a similar question. Zachary Hamilton, Chris Ulrich. We got a lot of versions of this question. This is a hard question. The yeah. Bengals had an over-under of six and a half headed into last year. They'd yeah. won a combined six games over the two previous seasons. They picked in the top five. It's hard to pick a team from that tier of the NFL and project them to go to the Super Bowl. Who did you have? Okay, so I... I... <laughs> The, the cheating answer is the Ravens, but it's because uh, they oh, came last bullshit. in the division. You can't pick the Ravens. I know. I know. I didn't do – so how I looked at it, because I, I, I took it literally, said serious playoff threat. I didn't say as a Super Bowl contender. So in that – and I went – this is so out of left field. This is like going to be like – stick with me here. The Jaguars. That's who I said. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. I was like, this is going to be way out of line or we're going to be on the same page here. Oh, man. But I, there aren't that I can, many options, right? There's and we not. can go through the other ones, but lay out yeah. your case for the Jags. Okay. They're taking advantage of the AFC South. That's in a weird spot. Titans. That's where it starts. Bingo. Shitty division. Yep. Shitty division. That's where you start. Colts. Question, you know, quarterback questions, you know, decent team, but quarterback questions. And then the Texans are living in their little fantasy world. And then I, I just think that they have an offseason of competence and like they have a path, at least they know what they need and which is just help out the offense. And I mean, they just need pieces, which is actually kind of nice. Sometimes we just need players. It's not like we're one guy away. Let's hope just need players, get players and competence. And I think what I don't think we're ready to grasp the leap that Trevor Lawrence is going to take. And I think he's going to more than anyone, he's going to just ascend in his second year with, again, competence around him. But if you have a quarterback taking a leap into that above average to good quarterback tier in his second year, other things fall into place. And then you become a frisky nine and eight team, a frisky 10 and seven team, just like the Bengals were. That's what you really need. Bad division, quarterback taking a huge leap, and then a couple of players that break out and competence on the quarter or on the coaching side. So that's my, my case for them. But yeah, other teams, it was kind of like, eh, eh, I'm not going to really fight for them as well. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing. 
however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. For their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash maze, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash maze now to grow your business, no matter which stage you're in. Shopify.com slash maze. I picked the Jags just because I think the Trevor Lawrence jump is the easiest one to talk yourself into. Yeah. The Bears just don't have enough avenues to get better. I, I think they could be in this conversation, but very little in fine cap space. They have like $30 million in cap space, but they don't have any players. <laughs> they don't, they don't, they don't, they're missing a tackle. I would tackle. the roster, man. They're missing oh. a receiver. They're missing two receivers. It's, oh. it's not a good situation. They don't have a first round pick this year. I think yeah. they have a little bit too far to go just as, as it relates to all the holes on the roster. Cause yep. the Bengals part of this is, your quarterback takes a step forward. You find the right weapon for your quarterback and you build the defense through free agency. That was the Bengals plan. So if you're trying to piece all of that together, I think the Jags are the best case just because you can see the step forward from the quarterback because there's an adult in the room running the team and the offense, which is a huge thing. They have a ton of cap space, a ton of cap space. They have the number one pick in the draft. Yep. They have more draft capital because the Carolina Panthers were very excited about getting CJ Henderson. There are a lot of different ways they can go here. So if you pick a left tackle number one in the draft, which seems like a totally reasonable choice, you have that spot locked down. You have other free agent holes on the offensive line, but you have the flexibility to fill them. Go add a couple guys in free agency on defense. Doesn't need to be the biggest name guys in the world, but you have a lot of wiggle room here. So I think that's why they're the easiest one to talk myself into. Atlanta still has too far to go, and their cap situation is still a disaster. Detroit, the quarterback is probably going to be the same. Even if they draft somebody, you figure golf is going to be the starter. Yeah. I don't really see them taking a notice. I think they're going to be more frisky than like a playoff run. Like, oh, they're a tough 8-19, tough 7-10 and 10 team than like a team that catches a couple of breaks to the playoffs. The other team I think you could talk yourself into here is the Giants. If you wanted to do, if you wanted to get there, I could see the steps you would need to take. It's about how you feel about Daniel Jones, right? Yeah. Can Daniel yes. Jones take a big step forward? I mm-hmm. think he can take a step forward mm-hmm. with a different offensive coaching staff. If they go make a couple tweaks, what they're going to do with their money and who they're going to cut and who they're going to bring back. There's just so many question marks about that team, but you can talk yourself into a Brian Dable, Wink Martindale, everything yes. else they have going there in terms of their leadership structure. And if I'm going to bet on a personnel guys it is we think coaches a crapshoot saying who's gonna be good personnel it's even more of a crapshoot we have no idea but if i'm gonna bet on a guy i'm gonna take one from the bills personnel exec and that a personnel exec from from the bills system because how they how Bean built that roster was a bunch of like football players like that's my favorite team building example of the last so cool 
it's so all these cheap, nice deals, middling deals, mid, like people look at them as stopgap, but really it was like a team building. Like when we talk about team building, it's not just getting better players. Yes, that's number one. But number two is just getting a mindset of a bunch of pros. And that's what he did. And I, I think that's exactly what the Giants need. They don't need to live in this weird world. It's like just getting competent going like, well, let's just take the cheaper guy that's a good football player as opposed to that pie in the sky answer that we want to get. I think that helps. And that coaching staff looks phenomenal. Like it's a, it's a lot of guys that are respected. It's not just guys that's like, oh, we know that guy's name. He might be interesting. It's guys that are like respected coaches. He even brought Bobby Johnson with him from the Bills, a, a O-line coach. I mean, stuff like that. So that the Bobby Johnson thing and just the O-line in general, I think is a really good example. Mm-hmm. What's exciting about the way the Bills built that team is, and I've talked to Brandon Bean about this, just about how they spent in free agency. And the way that they thought about their free agent dollars was, let's use to plug holes. Yeah. Let's not go for the biggest guy like at that splash. position or the splashiest yep. move that we can make. Let's make sure you look at all the dice rolls they took along the offensive line over multiple years. It was one year, three million for this guy, two years, six million for this guy, one year, four million with this guy. We're just going to roll the dice over and over and over again yep. and hope that we can find five competent starters. And Bobby Johnson did a great job of helping mold that unit and having it be a functional group over the last two years. And it's it, the perfect example is signing a Cole Beasley. Or signing a Kenny Galladay, hundred percent. That the, that's the, the difference. Signing Kenny Galladay and drafting Kadarius Tony are two yep. things that the Buffalo Bills would not have done. Correct. They just wouldn't have done it. They yep. did a great job of sequencing the roster, right? Like nice. this that's is this is step it. one. This is step two. This is step three. Going yep. to get Cole Beasley and John Brown in year one, and then what do we need? We need a Stefan Diggs. We're going to trade the for X-Factor. him, and you drop that in. And yep. the defensive line is another really good example of. They don't have any monsters there, right? Like Ed Oliver was supposed to be that guy. It didn't end up happening, but just the dice rolls they would they would take there. You look at the free agent tier they shopped in with those guys. It was those middle range free agents. It was the Quinn Jeffersons of the world and just the B's all, and B pluses. Yes. Yep. And I think that's a really good way to do it. So it's it's challenging. It's challenging to yep. build your team in free agency. We had had the same conversation about the Bengals, but I totally agree with you. I, I think there is definitely reason for optimism as it relates to the New York Giants. So I could throw them in there as well. All right, let's get to our next one here. Similar kind of question. Uh, it's funny that they come one after the other. Somebody might've done that on purpose. Tyler Bearshaw asks, who are this year's Rams? Who is the team that's a quarterback away? Who you got? To me, it's the Colts. And I think it's just, I, I love the roster. They're built through the line. They have answers at the court or at the receiver position. They have the top tier two running backs, the best one two tandem, I think, in the, in the running back room. They have defensive answers. They have defense, defensive players that make sense. They need still need some guys there, like just a little bit more of a playmaking on the back end. But if they get a quarterback, man, it's like that's a whole new level that they can take if they just get some quarterback answer. So I'm going to say the Colts. I think the Colts is a good one. I am a little bit worried about still the players at impact positions. They need a left tackle. Pass rushing, you can forecast some growth from pay and from the young guys. You'd hope that happens. I think they'll still need a corner. They're they're still players for me. And I still think they need another pass catcher. They need more pass catching juice than they currently have right now. Whether it's yeah. a tight end, a receiver, they have a bunch whatever. Of number twos and threes. Yes. Yeah. The twos and threes. And yep. he, I, I think I they agree. even need another like number two. They don't that yeah. Paris oh, Campbell. Yeah, gone. Yeah. Paris Campbell never becoming that guy mm-hmm. is when you look at the overall ingredients that they wanted to have on offense, yeah. they lack juice at, at their yeah. pass catching spots. Just point. I know. It's funny because Pittman and Pascal kind of have overlapping 
traits a little bit. So that's kind of like why they just need a little, little they're a little too samey. If you're uh, looking uh, at, free. if you're trying to build a free uh, pass catching group as a basketball team, like we've talked about forever, yes. Pittman is a slasher. He's an attacker. He attacks space. That's what he yeah. does well. They need an NFL version of a shooter, which is a speed guy, because yep. that it, you, yep. it creates gravity and it creates and space guard. for Pittman yep. to attack. Right. Yep. They don't have that guy right now. Correct. And I think that when you watch their offense, you can feel that. So mm-hmm. I think a quarterback, a quarterback kind of over, like glosses over some of this stuff. If you get the right guy, this becomes less yeah. important. But I, th- they're in the conversation to me. I think the Eagles are an interesting one because uh, the yeah. line is there. The line is there. You have Devonte Smith. You know, theoretically, if you can go get another pass catcher in free agency, you have most of what you'd want. And, and Goddard, Goddard is there. Yeah. You need one more receiver plus the quarterback. I think that offense becomes. Let's say you make the Russell Wilson trade right now. It's good. It's a good freaking team. It seems like it's a really good team, and their defense. <laughs> yeah. They they can yeah. add playmakers on defense, but offensively, I think they become really interesting. A cheap yeah. one here is the Niners. Like Trey Lance oh. is that quarterback. If you yeah. drop a new quarterback into an otherwise good core, which theoretically that's what the Niners are doing, yep. even though the guy's already on the roster, I think you can make that argument. And my last one, it brought the Broncos. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Broncos was easy. That was my number two. And then I, my, I had a number three. And I said, dare we say the Browns? And that was Ooh. my that was my dot, dot, dot one. I mean, I'm into that one. I, I that's right. It's harder for me to see them being as desperate on the quarterback market as these other teams are i 100 think they're going to make some phone calls this spring and see what's available to them but it's one of those things where if there's no clear upgrade you look at what you're paying baker you know do you need to go get jimmy garoppolo is that is it that much better that yeah it's is a half tier improvement worth it yeah it's not a true golf to stafford was a true two-tier upgrade exactly by anyone (laughs) anyone's eyes it was like clear so that's exactly it baker and jimmy are kind of that similar tier (laughs) if if one of those other guys becomes available and like you can trade for russell wilson if you're cleveland then i think that you do oh yeah but denver you look at it their offensive line is pieces you know, you have a lot. You have several useful players there. You Great know, the receivers are there. I mean, Patrick <laughs> Sutton, Judy there. Hamler coming back, so you have the speed element. You got the back. Yep. I mean, Devontae Williams gonna be in year two. Fant is there. Defensively, yep. they're less complete than you think they'd be, just because a lot yeah. of guys are hitting free agency. Kareem Jackson's a free agent. Bryce Callahan's a free agent. Kyle Fuller's a free agent. And they still have Darby. They still have. Uh, Sertan, obviously, they still have Sertan's Justin star, Simmons, by the way. Yeah, I mean, they still have pieces. Their defensive <laughs> yeah. front is not as good as you'd want it to be. You know, Chubb is but, back and they still have Shelby Miller, but there are a lot of different ways that could go. They have yeah. resources, but I, I think that they could if they have Aaron Rodgers, they're a playoff team. Right? Like right yeah. now at this exact moment, they they needed Rodgers last year. That, yes. Like, you know, you know, yes. I mean, they needed that quarterback upgrade last year. Now it's like, oh, now we have more question marks now. So, yeah, that, that, that Broncos, though, was another one I had as well. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. All right, next one here, Elijah Hack. Great name, by the way. Elijah Great name, Hack. Elijah Hack. <laughs> I was wondering if you'd spend some time discussing practically how the Bengals go about fixing their offensive line this offseason. 
It's obvious that there's an issue, but I haven't actually heard anyone describe a realistic plan to fix the issues. A couple specific questions. Bengals Twitter is convinced we will sign Teron Armstead and Brandon Scherf, but the team is always <laughs> struggling to attack the top free agent talent. Do you have any second tier free agents do you think they should target? Or on the flip side, do you think with Burrow and their core talent, they'll be able to attack, attract top tier free agents? Obviously, the team drafts at 31 this year. Does Nate have any late first, early second round targets on the O-line that he thinks will be a good fit? What current starters in the Bengals O-line do you think they should retain? Any arguments moving Jonah Williams to right tackle or inside if they sign a better left tackle? All right. Lay out your plan for me. How do the Bengals fix their offensive line? Okay. We talked before about having a bonafide QB. It does help attract players because that's, yes. you know, players are very aware of what's the most important position. Trust me. <laughs> there are two. When you're thinking about where guys are signing in free agency, number one factor without question, money. no questions asked money, money It is absolutely the most important thing. All I care about. It's not the there NBA being on a coast or anything like that. <laughs> there are players who will tell you their agent picked where they went in free agency yep. because that was the biggest offer. It is money. It is unquestionably the number one factor. Number yep. two, when there's a tie, is quarterback. Yep. That is number two. So those are the two factors when you're thinking about free agency in almost any case you're going to think about. If yep. a guy's on his third deal, he's 34 years old, and he just okay. wants a ring, all of that, fine. But if there are guys on their second contract, the meat of free agency, mm-hmm. that's what's going to drive these decisions. So it Absolutely. does matter. It does have. If we're talking about second tier, it's nice actually starting to dive into some of these free agent options. A guy like you have to look at you have to get creative a little bit when you're trying to, it, everyone wants to sign the big, big ticket guys, but usually that can create its own set of problems. Cause one of those guys is getting hurt. And one of those guys is, okay, I got my big deal. I'm out of here. Like I, mentally, I'm not going to lead this team. Screw it. I got my big deal. I'm good. I'm going to be, yes, I could play a 90 overall Madden, but I'm going to play like a 70. Like that happens all the time. But I would say that these second t- kind of tier guys, like a guy like, um, I always butcher his name, but Mark Lewinsky. Uh, who had a nice year with the Colts, I thought. I think that that's a second, third tier guy that you get on the cheap or cheaper than uh, you would on a, a bonafide guy. But that's just a body. We've talked about going from poor to average. That That's going from poor to average uh, for the Bengals offensive line. You have to get guys like, he didn't play this year, and so this might be a terrible example, but a guy like a Kyle Long of the world, a guy that's had injury history that you can get on the cheap. You just, again, you just need these types of bodies, gauges health and the healthiness and try and steal a player. Tackle-wise, like a Tom Compton, again, you're going to average players. I know these guys aren't stars, but getting average on this offensive line would be such a such an upgrade for them. Um, and also, another name that I saw on the free agent list that this might just be my background with him, but a guy like a David Sharp, who I think he was with his Ravens this past year, but taking a home run swing on a guy and going like, all right, you're a swing tackle. Shit, maybe we get more out of you because you get your first chance at starting. Getting those type of higher draft picks, uh, height, weight, speed type of guys that maybe we can grow them. And then if we're going into the draft is, you know, with a little help from our friend Brandon Thorne, uh, who's the top of the line guy. What's been really nice for me is I focus on offensive skill guys is now we got so ahead of the game with Bleacher Report that now I'm able to like peek at other positions and actually kind of know what I'm <laughs> talking about for our first round draft show. Um, there's uh, there's a couple of linemen that are going to be really sit in that position where they're, they're picking at pick 31. Uh, there's Bernard Raymond, who's from Central Michigan, is a tackle. There's yep. Trevor Penning, a tackle from Northern Iowa. Same type of guy, a little more traitsy types of guys, but you know, hopefully you hone it in. I do think the Bengals offensive line coach did a nice job this year of making them look at least they knew where they were going. It was more of a talent issue than like, oh my God, what, they don't even know where they're looking at, which I thought was the issue last year. 
before they got the new guy. Daniel Falale from Minnesota, big, gigantic offensive lineman, huge body, something that you could grow and work with. And then at guard, they have Kenyon Green from Texas A&M and Zion Johnson from Boston College. I think Johnson made himself some more money. He might be he might be gone by the time the Bengals pick because he had a great senior bowl. Um, and then the last part of the question is, I, I really actually like what Hopkins did at the center position for the Bengals. I, actually, I also really like him, his personality-wise and all that other stuff. I also think he's been playing hurt a little bit. Yeah, so. but he, yeah, and he's kind of underrated. Like I, I got to give him more credit. Watching him in the Super Bowl and watching him throughout this playoff run, they're you know defense is trying to attack attack them rightfully. Mentally, he was great. Like he's, he's very smart. Very, you can tell he sorts stuff out quick. Like his points are quick, and it's not to sit there and go ah rip. He he, like Burrow doesn't have to do anything, and and physically, I would say he's above average type of talent. But I think that guy is like. That's good to have a, a center pairing with your quarterback that they trust each other already. That's a good starting point. Trust me. You don't 100% want to go. agree. Yeah. And I think As, that's why. Coming from a Bears fan, you know. <laughs> I think it's important for him. I think he'll be there. Just based yes. on my, and I don't know the ins, ins and outs of it, yeah. but little things you hear, they like him. And yeah. I think it is all of those intangible things that you're talking about. He's also yeah. under contract. He's making $7 million next year. They can save Great. five by cutting him. But when you start to do that, like that rotating yeah. cast of characters at center with your youngish quarterback. Don't do that. That's a bad idea. Yeah. I think you keep him there. You keep Jonah Williams at left tackle. <laughs> I'm yeah, not, yeah, I'm not yeah. doing no. that. No, I'm not no. doing that. No, I, you look at it. If you want to be shopping in free agency, mid to your guards is a good aisle. Yes. It's a good aisle to be shopping in. You went Galinsky, which is one step down from where I was thinking. I, you could go do it two ways in an ideal world. For me, the hall would look something like Lakin Tomlinson, Brandon yes. Scherf and a tackle at 31. The right tackle at 31. That if you can afford it and you feel comfortable in the injury history with Scherf, that's I think that's the only thing you'd have to talk yourself into. He's going to want top of market guard money. Yes, Are you is. comfortable giving him the Joe Tooney contract? The difference between him and Joe Tooney is that Joe Tooney does not miss a snap ever. Yep. So when you give somebody that deal, it's a lot easier with a guy who's never missed a game, never missed a play in his NFL career. Okay, Huge, great. So I'm going to take into account. If you want to go one step down from that, Lake and Tomlinson and a James Daniels, an Austin yep. Corbett, these are not the sexiest names in the world. They don't need to be. No. All you need is Average. not the worst guard in the league. <laughs> Average. <laughs> That's, <it. laughs> That's all you need. I know. Don't need an all pro. Don't need a pro bowler. You just need average. That's all you need. <laughs> if you put Lake and Tomlinson and Austin Corbett and let's say Riley Reef, let's say Riley yep. Reef doesn't even get hurt. And that's your offensive line for the Bengals. You're a really, really good team. Huge upgrade. Huge upgrade from what you had last year, which was like, oh, my God, this is scary. This is actually scary. I know it's so tempting to look at the Tron Armsteads and all the big name guys and free agency. You don't need to shop in that section nope. of the store. Just shop in the discount aisle. Yeah, <laughs> You're going to be fine. just fine there. The shirt's going to fit you. It, it, people are going to be like, oh, that's a nice shirt. It's not going to be the coolest thing anyone's ever worn, but you're going to look good. You're going to be happy with the way you look, and it's going to be just fine. So I think that is a solid plan overall. The takeaway here, there are options. There are a lot of different avenues to find these functional guys at those positions. So it's an encouraging place to be if you're a Bengals team that has a lot of resources to play with this offseason. Yeah, and they have all their picks. That's a nice thing. And they're going to be shot. They're sitting in that kind of position of the draft where it's you don't have to chase a pick, if that makes sense. You don't have to when you get into the middle rounds, middle of the first round, you talk yourself into guys sometimes and you reach on a guard or a tackle because you're like, oh my God, we need one. And it's almost better to be late in a round and you draft a 
a, a perfect Bengals example, a Kevin Zeitler, like those, okay, that that good level of kind of prospect that, okay, maybe he's, maybe he has some higher end and all that, but you don't, you don't take a reach on some project. You're more like, okay, we can get competency here and you kind of know what you're getting. So there's plans, there's options. There aren't that many right tackles available in free agency. I think you'd be more comfortable saying, do we sign a stopgap one year, 7 million, same as the reef deal. And you draft one at 31 that you don't have to play right away. I right. I mean, that's obviously yeah. the more attractive avenue, but there just aren't that many tackles in free agency, which, by the way, this is this is why you draft tackles. Yeah, <laughs> the the chase thing worked out. It's great. But when yeah. you're looking at the pool of available players at these yeah. positions, when you get to this time of year, it's not big. So the right tackles available in free agency. OK, Trent Brown, Jermaine Effetti, Morgan Moses, Mike Remmers, Bobby Masti, Ty Nasecki, Dennis Kelly, Josh Wells, Bobby Hart. The Bengals have played their Bobby Hart game. And they know Bobby Hart very, very well. <laughs> the left tackles that are available in free agency. Nate Solder, Cam Robinson, Teron Armstead, Dwayne Brown, Eric Fisher, Riley Reef, who's a right tackle also, Jason Peters, Cornelius Lucas. Oh, man. The guards are so much better. There's yeah. so oh, yeah. many more available guards because teams sign their tackles. Teams do not let tackles walk out the door. This you- is why it's nice to have them. If you look at even like it's always fun to look at like all pro and pro bowl teams to just see where everyone's drafted. It's like if you want a top tier corner, yeah, you're gonna have to draft them in like the top 20. Like it just is what it is. Big fast guys that can cover aren't gonna last until the fourth round. Uh, but same with the tackles, the all pro tackles last year, Trent Williams, Rashawn Slater, Tristan Wirfs, and Lane Johnson. Uh all top I mean, 15 picks. Yeah, they're all lottery picks. It's like that's where you find those guys. You don't get there's only like one Armstead or Mitchell Schwartz, like that you kind of also, two super outliers for very different reasons. Armstead, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, unbelievable physical skills. Couldn't even line up. Like, <laughs> does a fantastic <laughs> job of developing players. Mitchell Schwartz, who I love deeply, guys do not succeed in the NFL that move like Mitchell Schwartz. You need to be a yes. very specific sort of person to yeah. have an all-pro level career if you are physically gifted in the way that Mitchell Schwartz is. So, yeah. all right, let's get to our next one here. <laughs> Jacob, Jacob Grimm says, I was wondering, can we as fans be trusted with a top five QB in the AFC label for Joe Burrow? I don't even know if this is too high at the moment, but somehow it comes across that calling him anything but the best quarterback in the AFC is an insult. I love watching him play and love what he's like. Why does there seemingly always have to be a rush to anoint the next leader? Why does it so often become this binary? I get that it's results oriented because sports, and it frustrates me to no end that we as fans and media can't seem to get out of our own way to say, man, what a fun performance. What do you have to say about this? Preaching to the choir. Like, <laughs> that's what I always have to kind of go through. I had today to see, I saw something from a, a big media outlet saying that Patrick Mahomes is even a top five quarterback right now. Not, you know, like that's, that's amazing. The playoffs happened less than a month ago. <laughs> we already going, we're already on that. Hosted four straight AFC championship games. Yeah. And if you even look at his playoff stats, it was like, oh man, he was about to have an all time playoff performance. If we, uh, if we just remember, if we have memories past a goldfish, I think it's, I think that's what sports is fun is like, because it's fun because it's fun to debate these things, but it is annoying to just anoint people right away and say, this is the best ever. This is the best, this, this, best. even us with the Aaron Donald praise that we had on the Super Bowl show, we're like, oh, top three to five. Like it, That's I, how I do it, though. I know. <laughs> it's great. And I love it. It's like, yes, exactly. We don't have to anoint them right away. And I get it. I think that's just sports fandom. You want to appreciate what you want to appreciate. 
but it is fun to rank things. <laughs> I love ranking things. Remember yeah. after Joe Burrow had that performance against the Ravens, against the Ravens B team, not even the B team, yeah. the F team. And I was like, yeah. I think he's he's a top five quarterback right now. And I meant he was playing like a top five quarterback. Yes. And I think this year, I put him second team all pro. Joe Burrow had yeah. an amazing season. I, even if you want to say that's an overreaction, which I think it was a little bit to make a point, he was the top five quarterback this season in terms of the yes. way that he played on the field. Yes. It, that's it, that's okay. I understand yeah. that this is how sports media has to work, right? Yeah. Think about the way that you engage with media in your day-to-day life. You're on Twitter, you're scrolling, you're scrolling, you're scrolling. People want those videos and those clips that are going to pop. Sometimes yeah. you have to take it one step too far. A lot of the time, these are things thrown out by producers in order to stoke conversation. We do that sometimes mm-hmm. where we do the pump the break segment on Sunday and we throw out something silly and talk about it. That's just the tenor of how a lot of these conversations work. And I understand how we occasionally get to this place. But as we all take a breath in the week after the Super Bowl ends, after the season ends, like Patrick Mahomes is still the best quarterback in the league. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, 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 We don't have to do this every single year. Are we going to have another quarterback draft in May for the next five years, the same way we did last year? Hell yes, we are. Yes, because it's going to be great. <laughs> it's great. I enjoy having those conversations. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be so far on the extremes. Yes. Joe Burrow is right now a borderline top five quarterback in the NFL. Right? If you were stacking them up, Tom Brady just retired. So if yeah, you want, okay, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert. I mean, all of these guys are in the conversation. Joe Burrow is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league for a good long while. As of this exact moment, I would rather have Patrick Mahomes than Joe Burrow. And that's okay. That says nothing about Joe Burrow. That's not a knock on him. I would probably still in this moment, and I'm fine saying it, rather have Justin Herbert than Joe Burrow. The the piece that Sando wrote a couple weeks ago where he was citing all the the scouts and talking to people in the league and personnel executives, and they were ranking Burrow, Herbert, and Allen, and all the guys had Burrow number one. I was like, holy shit. Do we have the memories of like a small child? What is happening here? I couldn't believe it. Joe Burrow is awesome. Joe Burrow is going to be awesome for a very, very long time. I don't understand how you can watch that game that Josh Allen played in the divisional playoff round and conclusively say that you would rather have Joe Burrow than Josh Allen. Or Justin Herbert in week 18 converting third and fourth down after third and fourth down, just like throwing one percenter balls one after another. And the thing thing with Justin Herbert, and we're reading that article, Mike Sando does a great job, but reading that article was... Yeah, that's not Mike. That's the guy. No, that no, no. That's, that's, I, I just want to make sure he's not catching shrapnel here because reading that was stunning to me of what the perception of what Justin Herbert is. I think a lot of people in the league apparently think he's just some big arm dummy. That guy is a genius at the quarterback position in a package that's six six, rocked up, and can run like a legit four six. We were talking like about this is, last week. Yes, it's, it's, it's his insane. highs are as high as anyone's in the league, and he makes no mistakes. He makes no mistakes. He's a machine mentally. That ball, his eyes, and I know I talk about quarterback eyes and everything all the time because it freaking matters. Is they go to the right spot every time. It's not. Oh, he guessed wrong there. You watch Justin Herbert. It's once in a while he sprays a throw. And that's it is there's no mental mistakes that happen with them. I can maybe count on my hand how many I've ever seen with them. And that that's that's why it's shocking to me when I read that article going, am I watching the right guy here? <laughs> like, is there something I don't know about this guy that he is like just some big arm dummy? Because he is not from what I can tell. So it's just funny. It's just funny how we how we 
um, um, consume these players, especially as time time passes on and we just forget the stuff they did a couple of weeks ago. The Justin Herbert love is not just big quarterback go boom. Like I understand that sometimes it devolves into that because it's very mm-hmm. fun. And those videos that we just got shit on earlier the show for for tweeting out, they're fun. And I enjoy yeah. the splash plays from him because they're as special as any splash plays we see mm-hmm. from anybody. It's not just this. This isn't just a subject of conversation either. Justin Herbert was at the bottom of the league in turnover worthy plays this year. He was at the bottom of the league in the percentage of his pressures that turned into sacks. The negative plays associated with Justin Herbert almost don't exist. And his high highs are as high as anybody of anybody. Just that combination of stuff is crazy. So it's they're all at the table. That's the that is the thing that we end here end this with. They're all remember him big brothering the chiefs defender and throwing the ball in the red zone, like keeping up, like holding his face mask and keeping him away. Like you're not like, like stay away. Like, do we not remember these freaky plays? No, because it happened two weeks ago, so we can never remember it again. (laughs) My conclusion here, and we'll, we will end episode one with this is that it's the same conversation we had about burrow at the top. You have one of the guys, you have one of the guys at the table. You don't have a quarterback. You have one of the quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. However, you want that list to look, However many guys you think it is, whether it's eight or it's 10, whatever, that's what's important. However you want to stack them up, it's going to fill a lot of podcast time and column inches and whatever. And I think that's fun. The reason we do this is because those conversations are fun. It's the reason people listen. But it doesn't have to be this immediate reaction of now that Joe Burrow played in a Super Bowl, he's the greatest quarterback of all time and Patrick Mahomes sucks. And we're not, are we renaming the coach of the year trophy after Sean McVay? Is that like another one we're going to do? Like that's what it's but that's honestly I, I get where this question's coming from because I totally agree. Sometimes it's we been just, the conversation all week. I mean, it's unbelievable. But this is how it works. Yeah, this is the world. <laughs> all right, that's all we got for episode one, guys. As always, thank you so much for listening. Please check out the Football GM and our Apple Audio Plus offering. This week, you can also listen to it on the Athletic app with Mike Sando and Randy Mueller. They do a fantastic job, so please go check that out. With For us, we will be back on Monday with the second installment of our mailbag here. As always, appreciate you guys sending in the questions. We'll talk about to you soon. This was the Athletic Football Show.